He was a morbidly obese surgeon destined for an operating table and an early death. Now he's a rebel MD who is fabulously fit and fighting to make America healthy again. This is Stay Off My Operating Table with Dr. Philip Ovedia. All right. It's the Stay Off My Operating Table podcast with Dr. Philip Ovedia and his uh, uh, sweet-talking sidekick. I'm Jack Heald. Hey, Phil. It's good to see you. It seems like we've done this very recently. <laughs> How are we doing, Jack? Good to be back here again. Um, I think uh, today is going to be another great conversation following up on last week. Um, we have the other um, leader of the Meat Mafia with us today. Uh, Mr. Salazzo, um, a.k.a. Brett. And uh, Brett's got a great story to tell around his health and, um, you know, just how he's come to discover, as many of us have, uh, the power of um, the foods that we eat to uh, make us sick and to heal us again. Uh, So welcome, Brett, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for having me, Dr. Phil. It's great to see you again. And Jack, amazing to meet you as well. Um, I'm honored no, to be on the It's not amazing. It's, it, I, I'm, I'm a guy, okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love it. I love I it. I just have fun here. Yeah, no, that's all. That's so, all yeah, fun. I want to hear your story. It sounds, it sounds intriguing, the little bit I've heard already. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely an interesting story. And um, it's cool for me to be on here as well because – Dr. Phil and I initially got connected through our mutual friend, mutual contact, Texas Slim, who runs the Beef Initiative. Oh, sure, sure. And we had a Twitter space probably about two months ago, and that was the first time that Dr. Phil and I got to connect. And it was incredibly refreshing just to listen to a medical practitioner that truly is focused on improving metabolic health and um, doesn't claim to have all the answers, but has had his own personal incredible journey through improving his own metabolic health. And that's something that I'm personally incredibly passionate about. And I actually just finished Stay Off My Operating Table a few weeks ago. I think I finished it in like two days. It's like incredibly readable. There's so much good content in there. There's so many good nuggets. And I've actually bought a few copies for my friends too. I love that. And You know, one of the things that is that makes me enjoy this podcast is... <laughs> sounds like I'm sucking up here. I'm, this is from, from the bottom of my heart. I yeah. love that Dr. Ovedia is a medical professional with all the credentials. He knows the, the system from the inside uh-huh. out and he gets it in terms mm-hmm. of what, what health is really about. You don't have to listen to this, Phil. I'm just bragging on you. Um, but this, this show is not about, uh, not about him. It's about you today. So I, I'm reading, um, the, just some notes here. Uh, ulcerative colitis. Hmm. Before you tell us the specifics about you, tell us generally what what happens with ulcerative colitis. What is it? What's the long term prognosis? Um, and then we'll go into the specifics of your story. Yeah. So the way that I understand it is that ulcerative colitis is an autoimmune disease that affects the large part of your intestine, other better, better known as your colon. Um, I'm told that there are a number of factors that we think could be a cause of colitis, 
Um, whether it's stress-related, diet-related, there's probably some genetic component to it as well. Um, you would think you think this wouldn't be the case, but it's most actually common within men amongst their 20s. Um, yep. I actually got diagnosed with it when I was 20 years old. And my, dad, is, my dad had it. Your dad had it. Like, so you're uh, very close let's see. He, he would have been 31 when he had his colon removed. Wow. So... so. He yep. had it way worse than I did if he had his whole colon taken out. Yeah. So it's pretty, it's pretty nasty stuff. And there's, there's varying degrees of how people have it. Um, you know, it's commonly associated with Crohn's, which is like the sister disease, if you want to call it that. And then also IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. Um, and you're told that there's no cure, right? So for me, when we'll dig into this, you know, I was on a biologic called Remicade, which was supposed to keep my ulcerative colitis into remission. What and is so a biologic? Dr. Phil, you can explain it way better than me, but that was just the medication that I was taking to keep my colitis in remission. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. um, you know, uh, the, uh, you know, these irritable bowel diseases, uh, Crohn's and ulcerative colitis um, are, are autoimmune uh, conditions uh, at their root. And so, uh, the biologics are newer classes of medications um, that uh, have come out really only within the past five to 10 years. Um, I can tell you, you know, back when I was doing my training as a general surgery resident, uh, which is now uh, 20 years ago, um, hard to believe, uh, but uh, <laughs> we, we didn't have any of these things. We, you know, people with ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease basically got treated with steroids and other, um, you know, immunosuppressive drugs. Uh, so the biologics um, seem to work better with less side effects uh, than the more uh, kind of broadly based uh, immune uh, modulating drugs. And they've been a great advance in the treatment of these conditions, uh, but they still don't get at the root cause of these conditions. And, uh, I think that's something we're going to get into as we get into Brett's story a little more. Okay. So young man, 21 diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. I know it's bad because my dad had it. It ended up having his colon removed and lived with a, whatever you call those things, uh, for the next 50, 45 years. Mm -hmm. Um, so I know that's a big deal that you were diagnosed with that. Mm -hmm. um, I know it can have bad outcomes. So how was, how did you take the news? How did you live with it? And then let's get to the meat of the story. What happened after that? Yeah. So I would say, you know, it's important to understand my background because I think that there were a set of behaviors in terms of what I was doing that led to me getting diagnosed. So the whole thing for me, right, is that I'm an athlete by trade. So I played baseball in college. Um, and that's how I always justified what I was doing, particularly in high school. I had somewhere between like 20 to 25 scholarships to play baseball collegiately. And it was just, it was textbook fit, but metabolically unhealthy, right? So I was drinking my protein shakes. I was drinking my pre-workout. I was lifting weights and I felt like I could justify that I could eat whatever I wanted because I was an athlete and I was very active. So I get to college and I transferred school. So the initial school that I went to was Seton Hall University, which is a small division one program in, in New Jersey. And 
I was noticing that it was like kind of the textbook definition of like work hard, play hard. So 40 plus hour division one baseball schedule, you know, rigorous course schedule. And then on the weekends, you know, there's the culture of binge drinking. So you're having anywhere from eight to 10 drinks on a Friday and Saturday. That's normal. You're not getting a lot of sleep. You're eating a lot of processed fried food. And then on top of it all, there was just a period of my life where I was just chronically stressed out because of baseball. I was putting way too much pressure on myself. I wasn't having fun. I was second guessing all of my abilities. And that was the first time that I ever started noticing blood in my stool was in 2020. And so I, that was the first time I ever got a colonoscopy. I think I was either 19 or 20 years old. Um, yeah, I was either eight, uh, 19 or 20 years old in 2014. And this, the medicine that I got worked incredibly well. The bleeding went away. And I just went back to my, the pattern of my old behavior. Um, flash forward a year, I transfer, school, transfer schools to Babson College, uh, which is a small Division three school right outside of Boston. And I'm continuing the same behaviors, right? So I am still stressed out with baseball, rigorous class schedule, not eating great, binge drinking, not enough sleep, con- continuing that. And it was really the summer of 2016 where everything started to go haywire. So at that period of time, I had an internship at a financial services company in New York City. Um, I was living with my parents in New Jersey at the time. So I had about a two hour commute one way. So about four hours of commuting time total. And so the summer, the in June of 2016, that's when I started noticing that there was blood in my stool again. And, you know, even now, five to six years later, I still can't tell you why I just let it go unchecked. I don't know if it was embarrassment, if I just didn't want to tell my parents or my friends, or you're just, you know, you're a young 20 year old guy that thinks he's invincible, but I just let these symptoms continue to get worse and worse. So I vividly remember in August, you know, you're, you're the thing with colitis is that your urgency to go to the bathroom is so bad that your life becomes a series of like trying to like pattern recognition of trying to figure out where the bathrooms are around you. Um, so the summer's going on, my urgency to go to the bathroom is getting worse. The blood on my stool is getting worse. And then by August of that, August of that summer, I was literally going to the bathroom like 20 to 30 times a day. I had lost close to 30 pounds. Like I look like a gaunt version of myself. And I, I, I recall it was weird coincidence. It was the last day of my internship and I was going to take the train into New York City and I was literally on the toilet for the entire two hour train ride and I felt like I was about to pass out. So I call my doctor. He immediately tells me to go to the hospital. So I take an Uber to the hot, to the local hospital in New Jersey, get another colonoscopy and then get get diagnosed with you know full blown ulcerative colitis. You know, I'm told that there's no cure for it. I have to go on a biologic And that, you know, I'm going to be on this medication for the rest of my life. And the medication was I would receive one infusion every eight weeks. And I think that it was the cost of it was like 50 to $60,000 covered by insurance per infusion. So, you know, you can do the math on the number of people that are on these, these medications, certainly not cheap at all. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So you're 21 You've just been told your life has changed dramatically. They put you on the biologic, which is a quarter of a million dollars. No, it's more than that. Mm-hmm. Half a million dollars a year, I guess. Yeah. Um, 
And then here we are today, 2022, you did an Ironman back in October. Um, what happened in between? How did, how did we go from that to this? Clearly not gaunt skeleton Brett, but, uh, look, you look pretty healthy to me, young man. Yeah, I've gotten healthy and into the point where I'm, you know, I don't, I don't take any medication anymore. So I think when I think about my story, it's all been about taking autonomy over the food that I've been putting into my body. So everything changed for me in 2018. When I first moved into New York, I took a tech sales job. I moved out of the house for the first time. And that's really when I started cooking my own meals, right? And that's what I tell a lot of people now is like, if you just start cooking your own meals and you can control your inputs of what you're putting into your system, you know, you're going to be healthier than 90% of the population. And I, you know, I was making very basic dishes like ground beef, steak, chicken thighs, just things that I enjoyed that were repeatable and easy for me to bring into the office. And in 2019, you know, I'm, I'm starting to do these endurance races. I'm cooking more of my meals. I'm taking the Remicade, but my stomach's still not 100%. And, you know, there, there are still some days where I'd have, you know, a big sandwich for lunch or pizza for lunch, still some of the standard American foods. And I remember I was supposed to do a half Ironman in Lake Placid, and I, I had the first and only flare-up post-colitis uh, since I got diagnosed with colitis, and I had to miss the race. So here I am. I'm like, I'm the healthiest I've ever been but I'm still having issues with my stomach. And I, there was just, I basically just drew a line in the sand. Like no matter what I'm going to do the research, I'm going to figure this out because it's just, isn't a way to live your life. And I think that I can actually, you know, find some inputs to, to cure what's going on. You know, fortunately um, in 2019, my timing was really lucky because you start to see this carnivore diet that's popularized. Um, so you know, I see Dr. Sean Baker go on Joe Rogan's podcast and I'm thinking to myself, okay, here's this heart surgeon that's thriving on just red meat, eggs, animal products and water. You know, it sounds pretty crazy, but you know, he's a doctor, he's thriving. He doesn't admit to having all the answers, but that, that's, that opened my eyes. And then I started seeing on the internet there were seemingly thousands of people that were talking about healing their Crohn's colitis and IBS and autoimmune issues through a carnivore diet. And then that's where all the alarms went off in my head. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, if I can try this diet and cure, essentially cure this disease that's been plaguing me for the last few years and not have to go to the bathroom 10 plus times a day, like what is that worth? Right? So I, I very, I can very vividly remember going to Whole Foods, buying steaks, ground beef, chicken, salmon, eggs, just everything that I would need for this two-week carnivore trial. We call it a carnivore trial. And I can, I can, a week into the diet, my stomach felt the best that it had ever felt. I was down to going to the bathroom like twice a day, maybe less than that. And I could, I could never recall a time that, you know, my stomach felt so good um, my energy instantly improved, my skin got better, and I started noticing that my mood improved as well, which we now know. We hear a ton of people that go on this animal-based diet, their mood, their anxiety, their, their depression goes away. So I ended up extending it from a week to two weeks to a month to two months and just got better and better results. 
And so since that time, I would say my diet is more animal based. It's not strict carnivore. So like I, the, the thing that carnivore that's so great is that it's an amazing removal diet. So right. you're, you're really, it's a great way to get back to your baseline. So like now I, you know, I eat fruit. I have a lot of raw dairy, raw dairy sits well in my stomach. Um, I navigate vegetables that work well for me. And I've just every, it seems like every year I just continue to get a little bit healthier, a little bit better. I cook more of my meals. I learn more recipes. And then, um, in 2021, literally it's, it's, it's been a year. I got a colonoscopy and not only did I have zero inflammation, I had zero microinflammation and I was able to get off of this, this biologic that I had been on for, you know, five, five years. So it's a, it's a great story. Yeah, wow. you know, and I just want to emphasize a few things about how amazing that is, because, you know, as I said, you know, I uh, spent plenty of time taking care of people with, uh, you know, IBD, with inflammatory bowel diseases um, as a, uh, you know, during my surgery training. And the concept that you can undo, that you can reverse that disease uh, certainly was completely foreign back then. And mm-hmm. even today, I think for, you know, most uh, gastroenterologists, most doctors uh, that handle this disease, uh, they would find that uh, foreign as well. So, you know, two questions for you. Uh, when you started doing this, I don't know how much, you know, you were telling your doctors about it, but I'd be interested to knowing, you know, if you did what their thoughts were on it. And when you just went for that recent colonoscopy and it had truly completely resolved, no more even microinflammation, uh, you know, what did your doctor say about that? Yeah, so that's, that's actually an amazing question. And it's something that I wanted to talk to both of you about because, you know, my GI back home is an amazing guy, but it's very interesting to start to learn more about Western medicine and the, the way that most doctors don't see food as, 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 as true medicine or prevention to some of these issues. So I would go, I think I would go in and I would see him twice a year. And every time that I would see him, he would say, Oh my gosh, you look great. you like, you look healthy. You know, your inflammatory markers are getting better and better. He'd be like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I'm eating this lower carb diet. I'm eating a lot of red meat. I'm eating a lot of chicken thighs, things like that. And he wouldn't, he was very, he didn't really have an opinion on it, which was frustrating for me because I would, I would, you know, the more that I would learn about the diet, I would want to ask him questions. Hey, what do you think about this? Have you had patients that have tried a low carb approach? And he just didn't, he didn't have like a, a reference point to give me, even though every time I would go back in, I would look better and better. And clearly what I was doing was working. So that was frustrating. And then the thing with Remicade and these biologics is like, yes, yes, they do their job. I think that the Remicade was necessary to get me out of the chronic inflammation, like you said, Dr. Phil, but it doesn't treat the root cause. And then when I was taking Remicade, I started getting this terrible cystic acne and I've never had skin issues in my life, but it was causing this side effect where I was breaking out in these cysts all over my body. Oh my God. Yeah. And so that's what led me to, to go to my GI and say, look, my stomach feels great. I'm a young guy. This medication is having this adverse effect on me. Can we, can we talk about getting me off this, this medication? So because I said that he was willing to give me a colonoscopy and then saw that there was no inflammation, no microinflammation, 
and was willing to experiment with getting me off the drug. But what was frustrating for me, Dr. Phil, is that there was no preventative, there was no proactive conversation of, hey, let's talk about maybe getting you off this drug. If, if I didn't say anything, I guarantee you I would probably still be on the medication, whether it was Remicade and Tibio. We, he talked about switching me to Intibio to help with my skin, but until he really saw that I had no inflammation at all, there was no, there was no possibility of me getting off the drug. I have comments, but you know my my point of view. When when I first met uh, Doctor O, I had him on my podcast, and I got to ask him all the questions I've always wanted to ask a doctor. So I'm not remotely surprised by that, Brett. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I have I've had the same experience over and over and over with Western medical practitioners, um, and that's part. I think that's part of the reason why Doctor Ovedia. Uh, why this show is so popular, why the book is doing so well is here is an actual right there in the belly of the beast physician who knows exactly how the system works, who is saying there's another way, there's a better way. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm thrilled. I, and I'm thrilled at your healing and unsurprised at the, um, lack of interest shown by your doctor in in such an extraordinary story. So tell us about uh this meat mafia thing. I I love the name. How let's we talked to uh Harrison last episode, mm-hmm. your partner in the meat mafia. Tell me about what your goal with the meat mafia is what do you want the meat mafia to be able to you know look back five years from now and say yep we did that what is the that that you guys want to have done it's a great question and our focus so we so this has really been this has grown way faster than we ever anticipated it to be and so the backstory is that harrison clemenza on twitter we went to school together we played baseball together And, you know, like a lot of friendships, we graduated from school and there was no reason why we just drifted apart a little bit. And then when we had graduated, we both got simultaneously got into these endurance races. So when COVID happened, we both agreed to train for what we we said, why don't we sign up for the same full distance Ironman? And it'll be a great way for us to come back together, keep each other posted with training. And so we signed up for for Ironman Texas, which is in Waco, Texas. And then we were both fully remote for work. So we got an Airbnb for a few months in Austin and just living together, feeding off of each other's energy. We started realizing that we had the same passion for cooking meals. We were both really into this animal-based style of eating, sourcing all of our food together. And we left, we left the three months basically saying, we need to find some way to work together because We just have, you know, there's certain people that you just click with and have a great working relationship with. And uh, we got fortunate because Harrison was, he got very interested into the regenerative agriculture space. Right. And he started blogging for Texas Slim and the Beef Initiative. And for those that don't know, the Beef Initiative is trying to connect consumers with your local farmers and cut out all these intermediary big food um, processes. And I can say it's working tomorrow. I pick up my first order from uh, a local a local meat producer, and uh, my oldest son has placed a big order for 
I don't know, a half a cow or something. He's got a bunch of kids. So yeah. Texas Slim, uh, the thing is working. It's working. It's it's working. It's working. It's a, And it's amazing when you start to eat with this hyper-local approach because it's like from a selfish perspective, you're putting the best quality meat into your body and your family's body. And then if you're buying a quart or a half cow, it averages out to like five to six dollars a pound. It's an it's an amazing yeah, that's deal. What they're saying about five and a half bucks a pound. Yeah. And then so that's going to be, you know, it's it's great for you. And then you're incentivizing the system the right way because your money is going directly into the farmer's pocket. Straight to the farmer. Right. I really so, like that. I do like that part a lot. Yeah. And, you know, these regenerative, agri- these, these farmers that practice regenerative agriculture, like they've intentionally chosen to do this. Like it would have been way easier for them to quote unquote, you know, sell out and yeah. implement these monocrop practices or sell their meat to a big four meat processor that controls 90% of their meat. But they've stayed tried and true to these principles. They raise the cap, the cattle, grass fed, grass finish, low stress. So the omega six profile is really high in the meat. It's like, that's who you should be. You know, that's who you, I want to choose to give my dollar to is the local farmer that's trying to supply me and my family's food as well as possible. But so it's a long-winded way of saying, you know, what the meat mafia really is, is it's our attempt to help educate people on their metabolic health, alternative dietary approaches with two guys that, you know, we're, we don't have MDs. We're just, you know, we've learned through our own anecdotal experiences and we want to tie it into regenerative agriculture and just provide as much good content to people as possible. So, so you guys, you're primarily, the goal is, is you are uh, like a central clearinghouse for, for information. Is it, that our, it, uh, yeah. So how we've grown is right. There's this concept of Twitter threads where you can basically tell stories through a series of tweets. So you know, Harrison's talked about, he's done threads on just the myths behind cholesterol. I've done threads on Ansel Keys and the way that we mistakenly view saturated fat within Western medicine, just helping to explain the history behind how we've gotten to the state that we're in, right? Where 70% of Americans are overweight or obese, just try and help to, to add perspective and stories and show people that there are these alternative dietary approaches that have amazing effects. Like, you know, I try not to be dogmatic about this stuff, but I just, I don't know of any other diets that are getting patients off of Remicade or getting diabetics off insulin. Um, yeah, exactly. It's just amazing. It's amazing to see it's, it's changing lives. Well, you know, I, I'm old enough to remember when a, a diagnosis of diabetes, of type two diabetes was uh, essentially your life is going to not only be significantly changed, but also significantly shortened. Mm-hmm. And as recently as I want to say four years ago, a good friend of mine who had severe type two diabetes, uh, he went to his uh, uh, endocrinologist and for his annual checkup, he's, it was in his early fifties at the time. And the endocrinologist said, well, Mike, you're, there's nothing more we can do for you. Mm-hmm. Eat whatever you want. You probably got a year to live. Mm-hmm. Um, long story short, his brother knew people and he ended up on a high protein, low fat, low carb diet 
and for all intents and purposes, has almost completely reversed this type two diabetes um, that he's he'd lived with for I don't know thirty five years. So we know now these things. It's not that we're just going to treat them. It's that with the right kind of of diet, the right kind of exercise and diet, we can reverse these things. We can make them go away. I, I Dr. Obedia is the one who should be saying this. I'm yeah. Just well, what I love about, you know, what, uh, what the meat mafia is doing, you know, what other, you know, similar uh, groups, uh, you know, on, on social media do is, you know, that they get this information out there because the sad reality is, is that the healthcare system, doctors aren't, you know, putting forth this information. And, and unfortunately, for the large part, still don't even know that this information is out there. Um, you know, we would expect, um, you know, in an ideal world that stories like Brett's, uh, you know, and, you know, the many, many people who I now, you know, know that have successfully treated their inflammatory bowel disease um, with, you know, a dietary change um, and the the literally tens of thousands of type two diabetics now who have you know reversed uh, their diabetes with these dietary changes. You would think that that would get you know the healthcare industry, uh, the you know the healthcare system to change its ways, um, but unfortunately, it, it largely has had uh, you know. Uh, it has had minimal to no impact on the healthcare system. And the, you know, I, I would say that, you know, for 99% of, of doctors that deal with these conditions, um, they are unaware or do not believe, you know, that these conditions are treatable with dietary changes uh, alone. Um, and it's just, uh, it's just unfortunate, but because of that, I have said, you know, and I've said it on this show and I've said it in many other forums that this needs to be a grassroots movement. And this needs to come from the patients and from the people who are experiencing these, you know, life changing, uh, you know, events, and they need to be the ones that are spreading this information. And I'm always encouraged to see that. And while many doctors, you know, kind of, you know, look down upon social media and think that, you know, it's a bunch of crazy people out there spreading a bunch of crazy, uh, you know, ideas and conspiracy theories. um, You know, what I see the power of it is, is real people like Brett, uh, you know, who are out there telling their stories. And, you know, Brett's honest. He says, you know, I don't know if this is going to work for you, but it worked for me. Uh, mm-hmm. and you know, that, that's a perfectly honest approach to take to all this. And it just, yeah. uh, you know, again, it's giving people the option, at least, at least they know that they have an option besides, uh, you know, a lifelong, um, battle with the disease and, you know, medications and complications and everything. Yeah. That goes you know, the thing, it. the thing to, to me is uh, aside from the fact that you get healthy, um, and it, that's a silly thing to say aside from, but there's this other, I don't know. I, I hate to call it nefarious element, but there is definitely this element where it, it appears that there is a concerted effort in our country to have as many people dependent upon pharmacological products as possible. And 
anything that threatens to to break that grip that big pharma has on us gets ignored or poo-pooed or canceled. So I'm thrilled to, to hear stories like this. And I'm thrilled to get to be able to, to uh, help be part of the, the megaphone to make this story a lot more obvious. So IB or, uh, IBS, no, col, uh, ulcerative colitis, ulcerative colitis cured with diet. No more drugs. No more drugs. I've been off of them for over a year. Um, so, and the only thing that I've noticed is that if I go off my diet and have some fried food, some spicy food, alcohol, I pay the price for it. So, you know, it, it just incentivizes me to want to stick to this approach. And so I've actually just I, I, I now use the carnivore approach more as like my get back to baseline. So I had gone a little bit off the diet the last few weeks. And then now for the next two weeks, I'm going strict carnivore. So, you know, primarily beef, uh, some fish, some chicken, eggs, water, coffee, a uh, little bit of raw cream. And that's, that's it. Um, and even after just four days, the, my, my GI, my stomach just feels great. My energy level feels energy levels feel great. My mood feels great. And this is, you know, this is, I have no skin in the game. This is, this is just how I feel after a few days of doing this. I just, yeah. You don't have something to sell here. Exactly. Talk about Brett, talk about the mood uh, issue a little more because you've mentioned it a couple of times. And I think, you know, people uh, will be uh, intrigued uh, by that as well. And, you know, what did you notice uh, from a sort of mental standpoint uh, as you made these changes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just so both of you guys know, you know, I'm 27 years old and the amount of friends and acquaintances that I have there my age in their twenties that are on some type of antidepressant or anti-anxiety medication would absolutely shock you. It's, it's unbelievable how many people tell me that they're on medication. Um, and so what I've been noticing is that I hear a ton about the weight loss, skin issues, energy from the diet, but I think the most common thing that I hear now from people that are going animal-based is they love to talk about the mood and the fact that their anxiety and depression and things that used to bother them basically get crushed and they no longer bother them. And that's what I started noticing too. There was just like this mental clarity that I was experiencing, like this, this almost newfound confidence, um, that I was, that I was noticing by cooking the majority of my meals and eating this particular way. And a good story is that when I went back to New Jersey, this for the, for this Christmas, I said, look, I don't want to be, I don't want to be over the top. I want to enjoy Christmas. I'm going to let my diet down. I'm going to have the Christmas cookies, the pastas. I'm just going to eat like everyone else in my family does just so I can prove that I can do this. And I also wanted to just use it as a, a self experiment to see how I would feel and I noticed that after doing that for a few days, I started to, I started to feel twinges of anxiety and things that didn't bother me. And then when I went out to San Diego and went back on a carnivore animal-based approach, it went away after two to three days of eating like this. So, you know, obviously anecdotal, but I, you know, I noticed for me, my energy levels are clear. They're consistent. My, the quality of my thoughts is great. I have high motivation. And, um, it, it's like, it's just the, it's just the pillar in the baseline. 
And I hear a lot from people that are like, oh, you know, I don't know how I feel about paying, you know, $15, $20 for a grass-fed ribeye or something like that. And I'm like, that's such a short-sighted way to look at it because what's the price of getting rid of anxiety and depression and feeling great and having great skin? Like what, what's, what confidence is that worth, right? If you're better in your job and you're able to make more money, like those are legitimate, huge ROIs. So it's kind of a long-winded answer, but I, I continue to see a ton of people that personally message me on Twitter that talk about the mental, the positive mental effects of the experimentation on their diet. Is most of your, do you have any idea if most of your following is around your age? It's a good question. I need to do some digging into it. Um, I've, well, I, I've got a follow-up question based on that. And, and it's, it really is more to do with my own, my own curiosity about generational differences. What you just said about anecdotally, you've got a lot of folks your age, you know, a lot of folks your age who are on some sort of mood altering medicine or mood controlling medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess I'll have to admit that one really surprised me. I don't know why it surprised me when I think about how the world appears to be, but that still surprised me. So I'm wondering if that's, if this mood thing is this this shift to a better mood is experienced by everybody if it's more confined to younger people i'm thinking how how is this diet changing mood that would sin, seem to imply it's regulating hormones somehow that would be my guess it um, um you know it seems to um there are two thoughts behind it you know one is just the uh um, inconsistent sugar levels, the highs and the lows that go with, you know, eating standard American diets, uh, and the other, you know, that goes away, you know, on, on, you know, animal-based diets and that, that more consistent sugar level gets rid of a lot of the mood swings that go along with, you know, the sugar swings. Uh, and then there also seems to be, you know, direct inflammation within the brain, uh, that results from, you know, eating these processed foods, the vegetable and seed oils, and that that is uh, contributing to uh, mood disorders. And, you know, we have, um, there's a psychiatrist at the Harvard system by the name of Chris Palmer, who has uh, talked and researched uh, this extensively. And, uh, you know, he has, uh, he has used dietary changes uh, in the management of, you know, very significant mental health disorders like schizophrenia and bipolar disorder uh, with wow. with success now. And again, it's just one of those areas that you would think that doctors would be more, more curious, you know, when they see this. And uh, what we unfortunately see is they're, they're just not uh, to, you know, ask those questions. You know, again, it it, it really just floors me that a patient you know, uh, can come to a doctor and, you know, present with a condition that is thought to be incurable, unreversible and progressive. And then they show up and the condition has been completely reversed and they don't ask why. 
Um, you know, if, if someone came to me and, you know, with advanced heart disease and then, you know, all of a sudden they were back a couple of months later and their heart disease was completely gone. Uh, you know, I would be asking, what did you do? Um, what happened? You know, yeah. Yeah. What happened? And uh, we we just don't uh, that just doesn't seem to happen enough. But like I said, I, I am encouraged as I start to see this grow from the grassroots and more and more, it will get to the point where the healthcare system, where physicians just won't be able to ignore it. I'm reminded of that famous quote, and I don't know who who said it first, but when it comes to making any kind of revolutionary change, the radicals, the folks who are calling for change, first they ignore you, then they mock you, then they fight you, then you win. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think we're moving from the ignore to the mock stage. Um, and people like Dr. Ovedia and, and Brett here, Salazzo at the, of the Meat Mafia, are making all the difference. Well, Brett, what is, what is, uh, what's next on the horizon for you? Yeah, so, you know, we're at the point right now where our emphasis has been on just putting out consistently crisp, informative content to help teach people about nutrition, improving their metabolic health, the history behind Western medicine, farming, regenerative agriculture, trying to weave all those pieces together. I would say that that's version 1.0. And now version 2.0 is trying to get to a point where financially we could be doing this full time. So we're in the process right now of creating a line of healthy and regenerative cooking fats. Beef tallow is something that we've both been utilizing for the past few months and have had great success with it. Um, it's got a fantastic, it's got a very nice high smoke point. It gets you a great sear. And it also supports a nose to tail style of eating because really what tallow is, is it's rendered fat from the organs of some type of a ruminant animal from like a cow or a bison. So we're working on um, getting a tallow product to market. And then we're also really passionate about just the nutrition and education of our kids, right? You see things like in New York where oh they're, right, it's insane. They're experimenting with meatless Mondays for public school lunches. And it's like, all right, guys, if you want to experiment on yourself with plant-based stuff, go for it. But to experiment on the kids is just screwed up. So we've been, we've been working on almost like an ancestral or primal lunchable alternative to what's out there now. So like real food for our kids is what we're calling it. It's like the working kind of like the working name, you know, putting something together, like some grass fed beef jerky, some dehydrated cheese, some nuts, some honey, just, just real food that can be packaged up that parents could give their kids that want their children to be able to eat healthy, but might not necessarily have the time to, to prepare that lunch. So, you know, we want to be able to create, products and food to put out to the public to help support this, this lifestyle. And we want to be doing this full time. So that's really like version 2.0, Jack. Well, if folks want to get a hold of you, so there's going to be a lot of folks who hear this podcast. If they want to get a hold of you and say, Hey, I'm interested. How can I help? What's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, I would say Twitter is the best. And my handle is at Mr. Salazzo and that's my pseudo anonymous account. But you know, my real name is Brett Ender and I, the only reason why we're pseudo anonymous is just because we, you know, we were doing that ghost writing in the past, but, you know, right. I publicly support everything that I'm saying. And I think that, you know, there's something to be said about publicly sticking up to, to what's going on right now and certain people need to make a stand, but yeah, Twitter's the best way to, to get in contact with me. And, you know, I don't, 
I, I've, I've heard from a lot of people that have had autoimmune issues or stomach issues, but you know, I'm happy to talk about this stuff. You know, the meat mafia, we also offer coaching as well. So if anyone's interested in that, we would be more than happy to have a conversation and connect and yeah, have a conversation. Very good. Well, I'll, uh, we'll make sure that, uh, that Twitter handle shows up in the show notes for anybody who didn't get it. Mr. Salazzo on Twitter, uh, you'll be able to link, I uh, will link it in the show notes. Phil, any last words or questions for Brett before we call it a day? Uh, no, I just want to uh, thank Brett uh, for, you know, another great conversation. And I think this will be the uh, first of many. Uh, I, like I said, I just love uh, what he and uh, Harrison are doing uh, with the Meat oh, yeah. Mafia to get the word, to get the information in the hands of the people who need to have it. You know, those that are suffering from these diseases uh, and that can uh, improve their lives dramatically with changing the way that they eat. I love it. This is very good. Well, Brett, thanks for, uh, thanks for showing up. It's good to meet you. I loved hearing your story. Um, for Dr. Philip Ovedia, I'm Jack Heald for the Stay Off My Operating Table podcast. You can follow Dr. Phil on Twitter at iFixHearts. Uh, if you wonder if maybe you might be metabolically unhealthy, you can go to his website, iFixHearts.co, and take a metabolic health quiz give you a good idea about where you stand and help you know what the next step to take is. We're going to do another one of these here this time next week, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Chances are you wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you didn't need to change your life and get healthier. So take action right now. Book a call with Dr. Avadia's team. One small step in the right direction is all it takes to get started. Contact us at ifixhearts.com slash talk. That's ifixhearts.com slash talk.